Welcome to Speedy Law. Speedy's his name, trial law's his game. True stories of a small town criminal defense attorney named Speedy. Thank you for tuning in. Here's Speedy. This is George Speedy, attorney at law, Camden, South Carolina, coming from the offices of Speedy Tanner and Atkinson. Um, we've been practicing law here for about 48 years. Um, my firm has consisted of three lawyers. Two of us do mostly criminal and automobile accident work. My other partner specializes in domestic work. And I told you the, the uh, about other stories. I'm going to tell you one today about uh, the bad day, but everybody has bad days. You know, in my life, I've had a lot of bad days. Uh, might be like I told you before that day that they told me I couldn't come back to SUNY Geneseo and they told me I had flunked out. That was a bad day. Not quite as bad as the day that uh, afterwards that my father found out about it. And when I walked in his door late one evening with a beer in my hand, he said, you better figure out where you're going, son. So uh, the rules in my house have to obey. And if you don't obey them, then you're out. Up in uh, New York State at that time, the uh, recruiters all were had offices in the post office, and my friend and I, we decided we were going to go join the Navy. He had flunked out of college at Niagara University, and uh, we had known him since I was six years old. We decided we would join the Navy, and we got there early in the morning after a kind of a hmm, partying night, and uh, up comes the Marine Corps recruiter. And he says, hey, fellas, how you doing? We said, uh, we're doing well. We're doing well, but we're here to join the Navy. He said, you uh, you college boys? And we said, yeah. He said, well, you know, <laughs> you'll be a, join the Marine Corps, you'll be a general in no time. Well, that probably isn't what sold us on it, but what did sell us on the, on the Marine Corps was he told us we could join the Marine Corps and we wouldn't have to go for 120 days. Now, what 19-year-old kid in May would not want another 120 days through the summer to have fun? So I didn't know at the time because I thought it was a good day, but that was a bad day, but not quite as bad as that first day of boot camp. But let me tell you about a client of mine who had a bad day. He was a young fellow. He'd had some some drug problems, nothing real serious, nothing I don't think he was charged with, but just the problems with dealing, using, consuming drugs, didn't deal at all. He uh, had tried to work his way out of it, was in some rehab, rehab programs. Uh, eventually, his dad put him to work working in his business. And one evening, uh, the, the boy wanted to go out. Uh, he didn't have a car of his own because he really was getting his life started once again. He was around 19 or 20 years old at this time, and he borrowed the dad's pickup truck, which, by the way, was the dad's work pickup truck. The kind of work that they did required a specialized truck, not just an ordinary truck, but you had to have devices on there to hold equipment that was specific to their their profession. And he borrowed it to go, presumably, to meet with friends, to gather, to have fun. Well, and alternative, he decided that he would uh, drive to a nearby town, Chesterfield, South Carolina, and there he was able to obtain what was his uh, 
what was his problem, and that was uh, some drugs of some sort. And he took the drugs in the truck out into the country up under a pine tree and decided that that's where he was going to consume them. Well, these particular drugs required fire. He uh, combusted the the drugs, whatever it was, with, with a match. Uh, we don't know for sure whether it was the match or it was ashes or something else, but the pine tree he was under had gathered a lot of pine straw. When the match or, or the ashes, whatever, hit the ground, it started to consume the, the pine needles. This time he's obviously in a relaxed state, and uh, it wasn't long, though, however, the truck was consumed in fire. He jumped out of the truck, and he, I guess, uh, I'd have to guess at this because there's a lot of presumptions here. He was probably trying to figure out what his ne next move was. Was it to call the police, uh, the fire department? Uh, should he call his dad? What should he do? Well, his choice, as were many in his past, was a bad choice. He decided to run to the nearest convenience store. At this particular convenience store, as are many, they had gas pumps, and there were several cars actually parked around the gas pumps and he decided to choose one jumped in it and unfortunately for him and unbeknownst to him at that point in time he took a car that was uh what we call pre-fill not post-fill that mean that that means that the fellow whoever owned it was probably inside paying for his gas instead of having already paid for it and he drove into north carolina where having been become low on gas, he ran out of gas. Again, he had some choices to make. He wasn't in a lot of trouble yet. He, he made, did some stupid things you can hear, but he certainly didn't do enough that would threaten his, probably threaten his uh, freedom. But he made the choice to, instead of calling the police, instead of calling help, instead of calling his dad, all the things that he probably should have done, Went to another convenience store. And what did he do? He found a car this time that was post-fill, and he took that car. He left North Carolina that same night. It was getting pretty late in the evening. It was dark. It was after, after darkness. He traveled on to Darlington, South Carolina, where he presumably wandered around in the truck to different locations to see if he could find anything to uh, to perhaps fence. And what I mean by fencing is that if he could, a lot of, a lot of drug people will, will take items of personal property. They'll take those items of personal property and trade for drugs. And at this point in time, he was able to obtain some stuff from what he believed was, a, uh, was, was an unoccupied house, but it had furniture in it took items that would be worthy of trade for some forms of drugs. TVs, I think, uh, maybe a computer or something like that. iPad, perhaps. This is a long time before the uh, advent of any real Internet, but uh, there were those kinds of things in existence, and he probably traded them in, in Florence, where he traveled next for some substances because it, it is noted in the police reports that he came from Florence after having partied, partied there that evening. He arrived in uh, Myrtle, South Carolina, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, which is 
not far from Florence, is a destiny, destination for a lot of young folks. Um, it's a place where they can, they can hang out. It's a place where they can have fun. It's a place, unfortunately, where they can get into trouble. Well, obviously, obviously my client was not in good shape at this point. Probably hadn't slept. It was, a, it was now probably close to a 18- or 24-hour time period over which he had been at work the day before, had gone out the night before, and now we're in at least 24 hours of no sleep. He has the misfortune of encountering a, a maintenance truck from the city of Myrtle Beach, and they're in their travels, they went to the same spot at the same time, causing a collision. He stayed there for a, length, a little while. He talked to the, tried to talk his way out of it, tried to get him not to talk to, to call the police, those kinds of things. They're the things normal people would try to do. And then he suddenly bolted and ran to another convenience store. I bet you can't guess what he did next. Yeah, you got it. He jumped into another car left that convenience store, and drove around the Myrtle Beach area for a while. Getting desperate at this point in time, again, he felt like he needed some personal property. And this is, again, all assumption, but uh, because his next action was to go into a subdivision. He drove around that subdivision until he saw what he believed was another unoccupied house, but a house that perhaps had personal property inside. He drove into the driveway, rode around to the back, and walked around to the back and uh, started to work on the patio door, trying to see if he could jimmy it open. Unbeknownst to him, he had picked a home owned by a military veteran who was at home sleeping in late and who had by his bedside a three fifty seven caliber pistol. The veteran awoken by the racket, uh, made his way through the back of the house and saw the figure of a man at his back door trying to jimmy it open. He fired a shot, hitting my hand, my client in the hand, basically blowing two fingers from his hand and losing a portion of his hand. My client started to run, made it to the driveway where he either fell or tripped or just ran out of strength. And at that point in time, the veteran got on top. And when the police arrived, the photographs would show the veteran holding the three fifty seven pistol to my client's head and a pool of brown blood gathered around his head. Pretty graphic, pretty graphic photographs. He was arrested and put in the Oregon County Detention Center. I was uh, contacted by his family and went down to talk to him. He uh, readily admitted his involvement in all the all the incidents and said that he just really had, had the monkey on his back had gotten to him. The monkey had made him do all those things that he did the night before. And he understood it. He he just didn't know how to control that monkey. But he said he just really would like another chance. And I'm told you're in, you know, you have four jurisdictions here where you violated the law. You violated the law in Chesterfield, South Carolina. That's one charge. Grand larceny of an automobile. You violated a 
uh, law in the, uh, North Carolina. I don't know what the charges are. They're not licensed, but certainly it's going to be equivalent to a grand larceny of an automobile. So you have a burglary in Darlington County, an attempted burglary in Myrtle Beach, and you got a uh, and you got a uh, theft of car in Myrtle Beach. Another five uh, grand larceny, another potential five years in jail. So we'll just try. We have to have to be patient. So we were able to work a deal in in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and Horry County. They agreed on a five-year sentence, and uh, we felt like that. Perhaps, given his age and given his uh, lack of any real criminal history, was a fair treatment. My job then was to convince the other three jurisdictions of the same. We were able to Darlington as well. Took a little more persuasion there because they had a little heavier charge. It was a burglary, but they they worked that out. We reduced it to what we call a, a, a burglary second, and he was able to get a five-year sentence there. We were able to go back to Chesterfield. We got a five-year five sentence there. And I told him he'd probably need North Carolina for that North Carolina charge. But I said, let's take a chance. So I called him, uh, called the officer on the phone. I told him that I said my client had gotten five years in the three jurisdictions down there. Fortunately, they were all run concurrent. And uh, concurrent means that you serve the sentence at the same time. So all three, you would only do five years, even though they were even though they were different jurisdictions, they were concurrent as opposed to consecutive. Consecutive means you have to serve each sentence on its own, which would have been 15 years in this instance. But we got the concurrent sentence. And that officer in North Carolina told me that since the we'd worked them all down there, they dismissed the North Carolina charges. Talk about a bad day, folks. That's a bad day. Thank you. This is George Speedy from the law office of Speedy Tanner Atkinson, Camden, South Carolina, where I've practiced for 48 years and uh, enjoyed every moment of it and enjoyed telling you about it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Speedy Law, true stories of a small town criminal defense attorney named Speedy. New episodes go live the second and fourth Tuesday of each month. Speedy Law is brought to you by Speedy Tanner and Atkinson, attorneys at law and produced by Patty Rose PR Biz Marketing. We'll see you next time on Speedy Law. Speedy's his name. Trial Law's his game. As a lawyer, I feel an obligation to inform all listeners that all information that I disclose in these podcasts is either public information or it's not protected information. I've gotten it legally, in other words. I, uh, any names that I might use, I have the permission. If I don't have the permission, I don't use their names. And none of the descriptions, descriptions are designed for people to be embarrassed or identified. I try to be as fair as I can in my interpretation of all the situations that I've been involved in.